Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. attention to the man who saved our souls from eternity in hell King Jesus come on it's all about him man gosh we love you so much Lord and thank you so much for being here with us come on he's here in our midst whether or not you can feel him I know uh, I was experienced a lot during worship because something always changes when you bless his name so if you would like to share your testimony, if, you, if something's already happened with you, please make sure you let us know before you leave here today. But um, let's just pray and ask God to help us right now as we uh, dig into the Word. How many of you guys are expecting something today? Well, come on, take that, take that knob, that expector knob, raise that antenna of faith. Let's stretch out and, and believe that God would show up and say something and do something in this moment that can change forever come on if you would just stretch out your hands if you want to stand up if you want to get on your knees let's just lift our voices to the king let's just ask him to come into the room of our life into the room of our heart lord we need you you are the teacher you said holy spirit would teach us all things and we don't want to leave the same. We don't want just another Sunday. God, we're, we're expected for some weather that's on the horizon. But God, we, we want something more tangible than what's present. God, we're hungry for the eternal. And we're asking you, the great God of our forefathers, that you would come and shake everything that could be shaken. God, would you come and remove obstacles from our life? God, poison, unforgiveness, bitterness, anything that's on the inside, remove it now. God, we give you permission to come and move, come and shake the atmosphere and all of God's people who believed it said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, you can go ahead and stand up. I'm just kidding. Normally I say you can be seated, but, um, Okay, so we're going to try something just a little bit different this morning because I'm going to keep the band up here for just a minute. And I want you guys to lean in. I need, you to, I need you to come forward on your knees. Lean in on me. Lean in for me. Not on me. Just kind of press in. Pretend, you know, get anxious. Something really, something really good is, is about to happen. You, you know when you're waiting for those lottery numbers to pop up and you're like, they're going to be mine this time. You know, when, 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 it's, when it's the last seconds of the game and they're about, the, the Chiefs are about to win this. No, wait, that was last year. Come on. You're waiting for your final grade to come in. You've been setting. You've been working hard. Come on. It's all come down to this moment. But here's the thing about this. Come down just a little bit, guys. Come down. Here's the thing about this. You don't have what it takes. You know, there's a scripture in Psalms that sounds so familiar to the prayer in Ephesians, and it's in the 118th chapter, which is the longest chapter in the Bible. And verse 18 says this. It says, God, I want you to open my eyes 
to see the wonderful truths in your instruction. Psalms 119, verse 18. And what this verse tells me is that we can't see what's hidden in front of us. We don't know. The Passion Translation says this, open my eyes to see the miracle wonders. We don't know the hidden treasures or the miracle wonders that are inside of who God is. Have you guys ever got comfortable before? Maybe you came this morning to church and you're thinking, well, you weren't doing it intentionally, but you came to church because it's Sunday. We're going to church. But did you realize that this is a book of life? That the person that we are here to worship is not a dead God. But the challenge about it is this. We don't have what it takes. So what I'd like you to do all over this room is to take your hands up to your eyes like this. And I want you to pray together with me. God, go ahead, both of your, both of your hands, both of your eyes, both of your hands, both of your eyes. God, would you open my eyes? Just begin to ask him. You don't have to pray this prayer exactly like this, but God, help me, show me, show me what it is that's hidden right in front of me. God, would you reveal the truths that are in your word? God, open my eyes that I would see the miracle wonders hidden in your word. God, help to show me the wondrous truths that are hidden in your instructions. Come on. We are in need of your instructions. We are in need of direction, God. For our life, would you show us Help me to see, God. I can't go on. I'm desperate for sight. And all of God's people, come on, if you believe the prayer that you just prayed, I need you to shout about it. I need you to get excited. I need you to stand on your feet and shout about it. I need you to make some noise in this place. If you've got some faith that what you just prayed has come to pass, you're not waiting for a vision. Come on. You're not waiting to the end of this service. Come on, don't wait another minute. God, thank you. Come on, just begin to tell him, thank you, God. Thank you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Last I knew, blind people got a little more excited when they could see. So we're going to try that one more time. If you believe that God just gave you insights, it's a mysteries, deep, secret, and intimate things that he doesn't reveal and show people unless they ask for it. I need you to stand on your feet. I need you to get excited. I need you to make some noise to the King of Kings. Come on to the Lord of Lords. Would you give him glory? If you believe that God would open your eyes, open our eyes, God, and show us, show us, thank you, God, that you are not a respecter of persons. If he could do it for them, he will do it for you. Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right. We can get this started now. Come on, we couldn't go any further. If you aren't going to pretend and act like you could see. Come on, because that's this is what faith is. We're in the middle of a series called Crazy Faith. We've been going through it for a while. You can have a seat, get comfortable. You can, you can still lean forward. I promise I don't preach the house sounds today. You guys are good. But this series has challenged me in a lot of ways. 
And how many of you guys are thankful for a woman of faith who could preach a house down? Come on, y'all make some noise. Pastor Caitlin, been bringing the word. And I'll tell you, man, thank you, babe. I've, t- I've been talking to her like this season of rest has been really necessary for me. I, I have been in the pulpit a couple of times, uh, preached to you guys here and there. And uh, uh, being that there's no Freedom Crusades tonight, uh, we, can, we can go till six. Is that cool, guys? Listen, if revival breaks out, we're not leaving. I'm sorry, I promise you. <laughs> but six o'clock, because then, we, you know, we don't want to be out past, you know, dark, ice on the roads, potentially. So um, this series, though, Crazy Faith, has been, been uh, challenging, and it's been exciting. But uh, today I want to talk to you guys about waiting faith. As you can see, it's on the screen there. Last week we talked about lazy faith. If you miss it, you need to get it. Come on, because how many of you guys know that a lazy dog by the fire ain't getting nothing? you got to press in for this stuff. And so that's why I encourage you guys, continue to uh, contend for that miracle. Con- oh, man. Ooh, about to dig in right there. Continue to contend for that miracle. I know, I get it. It's not easy. But see, there's, there's, there's a truth to the things of God. And it, I believe that a lot of it has got to really start and remain in this place where the outcome is not up to you. Come on now. How many of you guys have been hearing what crazy faith is about? The outcome is not up to you. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have a part to play, but you, you don't have control over the situation. Faith means trust. Faith means I give up my control about what's going on in my life, and I trust you, God. It doesn't mean that I just lay in bed and do nothing all day. Okay, not here to get on your case. If you know you've been going through a tough situation, I'm not trying to say that. But it, but it does mean crazy faith does mean that there is something more that if you will ask God, He will give give it to you. And so, I want to start this morning uh, by sharing uh, a story that happened to me, and then another true story that happened uh, a few hundred years ago. Um, it wasn't but a short matter of weeks where I remember I was getting ready to climb up the stairs to go to McKenna's room. I think she was screaming or crying or had just woken up, and I was just tired. How many of my parents out there can relate? And I know Carrie's got a newborn. She's like, hello, preach, preach, a preach. And all my parents out there that you've raised children, you're like, hmm, you only got one. You just wait and see. But I, I don't like to make excuses, and I hate feeling tired. I was frustrated. Yes, we do lead and pastor this organization, and we have an incredible, uh, amazing staff, amazing volunteer staff, amazing uh, basis of, of board of elders that we're putting together, uh, elder here at the church, um, just a whole lot of myriad of things. And how many of you guys ever know that sometimes in life you just get tired? Come on, don't lie. Don't lie in church. It's, it, it, and it's okay. And I try not to be too critical of myself, but there comes a point in time where sometimes if you don't catch yourself, you're tired can turn into something else. Cynicism or criticism or uh, laziness, different things of that nature. And I remember just being in this place where not intentionally, uh, um, not actively watching how my tired was affecting me. And it got to this place where it seeped into a place where I was just being negative. How many of you guys have ever been there? Where instead of realizing that you get to do something, your life is like a chore. 
everything's an obligation, right? And I remember the Lord just speaking very softly but firmly to my heart and saying, son, if you don't stop looking at this thing from the wrong perspective, nothing will change. And I had a choice in front of me whether or not I was going to realize that I get to do this, that I get to have a baby, that I get to live in a home, that I, I, I'm, I'm so blessed to live in the great state of Texas. I'm so blessed to be able to do what I get to do. I do have breath in my lungs. But see, that's the thing about it, is that sometimes your eyes can get so glued to the wrong thing. And so today is, is, is going to be a lot about that because our, the story that I want to talk to you about is a true story that took place um, back in the 1800s by the man of a name, uh, Russell Conwell. And this guy was touring the Holy Land. This is actually a, quite a famous story. You may have heard it before. Um, he had hired a tour guide, and his tour guide was one of the ones that just would talk your ear off, and um, he just wanted to know the facts. He wanted to know history. Well, it ended up, he ended up hearing a story that he never regretted since and went on to do a lot of different things. But the story starts with a man by the name of Al-Hafed who lived uh, somewhere not far from the River Indus. He was an ancient Persian, and this man had a farm, which is not uncommon. He lived by the sweat of his brow, calluses on his hands, and he was contented. He was contented because he had everything that he needed. Come on. He had food that he was able to put on the table. He had a family. He was healthy. He had land that he owned. And you can understand that's not a far-fetched thing to be contented. And so because of his contentedness, so to speak, or uh, I'll just leave it there, the fact that he was contented, he felt wealthy. And he was wealthy because he was contented. And, and there's some truth to that, but I don't want to stop there. Because the story that digresses here that uh, is shared with Al, uh, about Alifed um, is that there was a priest who came to see him. Uh, the town priest or a priest who was traveling. Um, there's, there's a little bit of uh, variations in the stories. But either way, the priest begins to tell Alifed how the world was made and how diamonds were formed. And, of course, you can imagine that this guy living out on a farm, very um, remote location, hearing about wealth and diamonds and, and about a life that seems very lavish. Come on. That sounds good. That sounds nice, he thought. The, the priest told Al, he said, um, he said, if you could just get a handful of the diamonds... He said, your life would never be the same. And he said, if you had a mine of them, he said, your lineage would change because of the influence of money. And this was something that stuck with him, but not in a good way, you see, because we understand that from the story, he was a very wealthy person because of what he had, the family, his, his health, but he lay in bed awake at night for some period of time until he could stand it no longer. And going to the priest, he asked him, he said, where can I find these diamonds? Are they really out there? 
Is, is, is there such a life out there somewhere? <laughs> you better believe it, buddy. There's diamonds out there. There are people mining them up all over the place. He said, where should I go? Where is the life that I want that can make me into somebody great? That can set up my family. They'll make life easier. The priest says, if you go and search for a river that runs over white sand between two mountains, you'll find them there. And of course, Al did what any of us would do. He sold his farm, put up his family and said, I'm out of here, but when I get back, we live in it up. Come on, hello. Because that's what you do. You take care of your family. You make the big bets. You go after the goal because that's, that's God's will. I take it you don't buy it. Well, as you can imagine, things did not turn out the way that he expected. Hello. And Eliphaz searched high and low, literally. I mean, he went all over Palestine. He went through Europe. He ended up penniless, hopeless, rags, wretched. He was beyond desperate. He was despaired because he hadn't found diamonds anywhere. And this is a true story, mind you. He wrote a letter to his family to tell them that there is nothing. There's no diamonds to be found anywhere. And he jumped off of a cliff, jumped into a river, never came back home. But the interesting thing about this story is what happens next. Because there was a man who came, much like Al, I imagine. The story doesn't narrate everything. And he comes along to the same place that Al and his family had owned. Working the same ground, living in the same place, and during the same seasons, same morning, same nights. Come on. Same way of living. Hard labor. Sweat of his brow. Calluses on his hand. And he began to work that land. Using a plow. They didn't have tractors, of course. Same oxen. And he thought, because what happened, (laughs) every time he went to plow that ground... He would run into rocks, rocks and rocks and rocks. Every time he went to plow that ground, he thought, this is why that guy sold this land. This place is frustrating. Come on, I'm talking about being in a place of frustration. But uh, there's one rock in particular he he noticed, grabbed it. It was uh, maybe not much bigger than the size of this. I'm not entirely sure. And uh, every time he held it up to the sun, you could see the rainbow. He thought, wow, that's nice. He put it on his mantle. Just a little decorative thing. Forgot about it. A couple of days later, or some time later, the priest comes by to visit this guy, welcome him. How are you doing? So good to see you. They're, they're having some, you know, just light conversation, introduction. 
And, and, and the priest rubs his eyes. He says, what is that? Goes over and grabs the rock off his mantle. He said, did Al come back? He's like, who's Al? Like, I don't know that guy. He's like, the guy who owned this farm. He's like, no, no, this is my farm. He said, you don't understand. This is a diamond in the rough. He said, that's just a rock. He takes him outside. He gets him around the shoulder. Elaborating at this point, obviously. He says, you see those piles? Points at him by his feet. Out there, over there, behind the house. He's like, listen, if you've got somebody who wants to take these things, please. They're everywhere. The priest says, you don't understand. These are diamonds. It turns out that where this man was living became the famous mines of Golconda. Very well known to this day. All of the royalty of England would buy her diamonds from this mine because they are the most pure diamonds known to man. He was living in acres of diamonds the entire time. But he couldn't see it. And I wonder how many of you are like or have been like me, have an area of your life that was like me or maybe was like Al, that has diamonds waiting to be mined out from underneath the surface. Everything that he had been searching for was right there. It wasn't out there. The life that he'd been dreaming for, the riches, He'd been living in acres of diamonds. And what I'd like to tell you today and encourage you to do more than anything else is to wait. Wait in the place that you're at. Wait in the job that you're at. Wait in the situation, in the family, in the home, in the work, in the school. Because I believe so deeply in my heart that there are acres of diamonds everywhere we look. Guys, I don't have time to get in all of the prophetic words that have not just been spoken over our ministry, but this entire area. And people have been looking for diamonds out there from as long as I can remember moving here, which hasn't been that long. I came down here in 2012, and I'll, I'll remember not long after we came here, that people said, you don't get what it's like to be here. We don't want to be here. There's nothing here for us. You're not like us. See, because Caitlin and I, we could see the beauty that was here. We could see the potential and the hope that was in the call of God on our life to mine the diamonds out of the people that were not even sitting in the seats that you're in today. That never even knew that this was a church that they drove by every day for weeks and months and years. And God was saying to us, to our hearts, to keep mining, to keep working. As a matter of fact, 
I heard the same message that I'm preaching you, to you today by a man of Jensen Franklin who wrote a book called Acres of Diamonds back in 2018. In the middle of our mess, after everything had happened from Harvey and mom was going through everything, and I was so tired, I was frustrated, I was mad, trying to be hopeful. Come on, how many of you guys ever put on a good face? I'm thinking if I had the right staff, if I had the right team, we could do that. We could go there. We could make this. If we had the money, if we didn't live in this place that wasn't run down, that wasn't beat up, that hadn't been flooded out. Frustrated. And I heard this message. And there was no going back. I realized that God was still speaking to my heart to stay, son, to stay, stay where you're at. Keep mining, keep being faithful. And I just want to encourage you this morning that right where you're at, right here, you have a reason to shout. You have a reason to be grateful. You have a reason to be thankful. Why? Because you, my friends, and if this is not true for you, it is possible, it is available for you today. to have a relationship with Jesus. If that is not a place of diamonds, I don't know what is. The unsearchable riches of his grace that have found you, have found me, have found us in a place, in a dump, come on, in a building that's not put together, but yet he keeps showing up. Yet he keeps showing out. Yet people keep showing up. Yet things keep shifting. Things keep happening. Come on, there are diamonds below the surface of your life. And you might, all you might see is the, the negativity. All you might feel is the frustration. But if you know Jesus, which I pray that you do, you can just say thank you right where you're at. Come on, if God's been good to you, you ought to just tell him thank you. Come on, if he's never failed you, you ought to just tell him thankful. Tell him you're thankful. Come on, I'm preaching to my, to my over 40, to my over 50, to my over 60, even my over 70. Keep waiting to see the goodness of God. Keep waiting because there's more. There are always more in him. But right here, right now, we have got to have a perspective shift where we stop looking at the wrong things. And that's why I said it's so important that we begin to shout and sing and declare and thank God that he's giving us eyes to see. Because had that farmer not known what he was sitting on, had that priest never come along, that man would have likely died, never knowing that he would become the most wealthy man, one of the most wealthy men on the face of this planet. See, there's so much truth to be found in that within your marriage, within your singleness. I know that today's Valentine's Day and there's some single people in the room. Make some noise if you're single today. Come on, I know Valentine's Day isn't comfortable to be single. But you know what? There's nothing more important to you than God. Not your spouse, 
not your job, not what you do, not what you're going to become one day. You realize that right now, right where you're at, it doesn't matter if you commit a sin 10 or 20 or 30 years from now. God's never loved you more now, and he will never love you less. Oh, come on. I said God has never loved you more than he does right now in this moment. His unsearchable, oh, come on, his reckless love. Come on. His reckless love that was abandoned on the cross for you, stripped naked, blood spilled out. If that doesn't tell you your worth as a single person, I don't know what will. You don't need a child. You don't need a family. You don't need another job to tell you your worth because Christ died on a cross for you to show you your worth. Yeah, we're talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God. And that is a reason to recognize that you are living in acres of diamonds because you are the diamond, maybe in the rough. Hello. I know you can ask Caitlin. I'm rough. All my men know what's up. We're a little rough around the edges. That's okay. Women are soft. Let's keep it that way. But that being said, I believe that God wants to form and bring out the diamonds inside of each and every single one of us. But there's something you need to know, something that's really important that you need to take away from today. And so I want you to write this down. That diamonds take this. They take pressure. They do intense pressure, intense heat, and time. If you're taking notes, that's something you really need to think about and how this applies to the life of a believer. Because one of the things I recognize is that I really like being stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm serious. That pressure squeezes something out of the inside of me that I never knew was in there. Because when I'm weak, I'm strong in him. But if I have everything I need, I don't need him. If you got everything you need, you don't need God. Faith doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. Come on, my college students. Come on, my high school students. Come on, my 40s or 50s in life, and you're like, I'm floundering. No, it's okay. God's got you. It's in the waiting, my friends. Because diamonds take intense, intense heat, pressure, and time. The thing I really want to walk away with today is that time, because we're talking about waiting faith today. A faith that waits even when it doesn't make sense. Because how many of you guys, and there's some good stories to talk about in the Bible, about how Abraham was in the desert for a long time awaiting for the promise of God. There's, there's several other stories that, that Jensen Franklin records in his books about true stories that, that have happened to people about how God told them to stay and wait. How many of you guys have ever heard that from the Lord? To stay. Come on. I believe that so many times the miracle can be in the waiting. I believe that I believe that right now that you and I are in a season of waiting. If you're a part of this ministry, if this is the place you've called home, you might recognize that. That for the past couple of years, we've kind of been in a waiting season. We've been kind of—I won't say years. I'm going to say the past couple of months, maybe like six or seven now. We kind of been. Uh, it, it seems as though something shifted, something happening, but I believe that God is just cont- uh, telling us to keep contending, keep waiting, 
Keep pressing in, but don't move from this place where all you have is all you need. In other words, the spirit of God living on the inside of you is enough. The job that I've given you is enough. You might think, oh, but my margin of profit is not big enough, right? Or, or, or maybe the place where you brought me to, it's not what it, I thought it was going to look like, right? My relationship, maybe it's not there anymore. Maybe you're starting something new and you're just, and everything kind of feels like you're uncertain, can I tell you, my friends, that that is a really great place to be when you are seeking God and you feel uncertain? I, I want to encourage you that it, the best way for that to be a good place, though, is by doing this. Don't just wait on accident. Wait on purpose. Because Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him. Let's go back to the beginning. But those who wait for the Lord, mm, not that paycheck, not that relationship. Not that right opportunity, not that right moment, not when it feels good, not when it's comfortable. Come on, not when it's normal, not when it's easy. Oh, I just want to go back to the good old days. Why can't things be like they were? And you're waiting for that feeling. Ooh, uh-oh. See, God's not in feelings. He's in here. I love that Peter said, every time I open this up, I am wrapped up in the love of God because it's his word to me. If, you, if we just had eyes to see the treasure that this is, God's word to us, the treasure that he is, those who wait for, we could replace that word with the treasure, the Lord with treasure, those who wait for the treasure that he is, his presence, his His. His ruach, his spirits, his life that he can breathe on the inside of you. How many of you guys have ever had a, a, a Kairos moment where God showed up, right? Where he showed up in the middle of, of your mess. And everything was okay. Come on. Didn't we not sing Emmanuel this morning? God with us. It's not you with God. See? You wait on the Lord. Because God comes to you when you wait for him. Because God draws near and presses in to those who are hungry and those who want him and those who are not satisfied with yesterday's manna. Come on, waiting. There's an art to waiting. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, those who expect, look for, expect, look for and hope in him. I love that word hope. It makes me think of something that's delightful, something that's enjoyable, something that's fun. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation where time flew by? Maybe you had scheduled an hour lunch catching up with somebody, and it's been two and a half hours. You look down at your watch. You're like, oh, my gosh. Where did the time go? I've got to go. Let's do this again. And it's another year before you get together. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. Man, time flies when you're having fun. There's an art to waiting. Don't wait 
for something. Don't wait on God like it's just a task. Don't wait on God like it's a job. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation where you're on the job, you're at the job, maybe you're in school, you're in class, doing a project at home, and the hours, the minutes, the seconds, they are like ticking by. And it's like you look down at the clock and you're like, it's 6.30. It was 6.30 hours ago. How is it still 6.30? (laughs) See, there's an art to waiting. Because it's who you're waiting with and where you're waiting at. Ooh. I believe it's in the waiting, folks. I believe that some of the most crazy faith can be found in the waiting. Because it's like David. David and Goliath. When you wait for the right moment and you have all the right tools and you got the word of the Lord and he says, go now, son. Go now, daughter. Take up your armor. Take up what I've given you. Release your battle cry. And that moment comes to pass. God can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. Daniel and the lion's den. There was David, David before Goliath, and, and, and he slew a bear and a lion. I mean, have you ever thought about the logistics of how terrifying that is to go toe-to-toe with hundreds of pounds of raw animal, like just beast, literally. I don't know the beasts that you're facing right now. I can tell you for us right now, I'm looking at a, at, at a rundown old building. I'm looking at a, a, at a city that, that seems like she wants to give up on herself. I'm looking at, at, at people that are, that, that are frustrated in the place where they're at, and they're wondering, they're questioning, God, God, where are you? What is it that you have for me, God? I'm telling you, it's in the waiting. Don't move from the place where God has brought you to. Don't mind that. It's all right. He's not moving. Don't move from the place that that God has brought you. It's in the waiting, my friends. It's in the waiting. Will you wait on God? Will you wait on God where he's brought you? In your family? In your home? In your relationships? The places that seem dry? See, you could be like you could be like Abraham, who was in the desert, who was in the waiting, and God showed him. He said, "See those, see those sands, see those stars, see the sand that you walk on, the place that's dry, the place that's unbearable, the place that's hot, the place that uh, it's in all of your cracks. It's all in, it's getting you frustrated. Come on." The other thing that I saw about waiting is that it's training. It's character development, my friends. You know, I realized looking back that if God had delivered and all those promises that he showed me at the beginning of 2017, I would have crumbled and fell. I still would. To this day, I would crumble and fall. See, there's, there's a, a, a big story on the horizon for Trinity Beaumont. 
there's a lot of diamonds that we've started to mine out from where we're at. But I can tell you it didn't happen overnight, my friends. And James says this, chapter 1, verse 2 says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. And be assured and understand that those trials, the things that you don't like, the things that are uncomfortable, the things that are frustrating, the places that you don't want to be right now, that those things that you have to wait out help bring out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. This is the Amplified. Verse 4 says this, But as you wait, let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work. In other words, after you've done some waiting, keep on waiting. And consider it a joy. Remember the secret to waiting, though. I don't want you to forget that as we go, go forward, as we go through the next couple of days and weeks and months to come. There's a secret to waiting. Who you're waiting with and you're where you're waiting at. And if you remember why you're waiting, that it's training, that it's character development. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You, nobody gets put out on the field by accident. Coach doesn't just put you in if you haven't been training. You haven't been coming to practice. You don't get to sit on the sidelines if you haven't been coming. Ooh, you want to play in the big leagues? You want to make a name? You want to, you want to, you want to show out for Jesus? You got to call a God on your life. Okay, cool. But you can't make it to church on time? You can't show up and serve? You can't be faithful when nobody's watching? Ooh. You don't want to tithe? You don't, that's my money. We're going to. Listen, when I have more God, we, we got an understanding, me and him. I already talked to him and told him, listen, you know, don't worry about it. That's not how God works. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so it's in that, those waiting seasons that you learn to like really lean and draw out, like I was talking about, on a strength that you didn't know that you had inside of you. It's actually funny how that works out. Maybe you've never been in a situation like that. But when I got ready to tap out, that's when God showed up. That's the best way I can describe it. And I just want to encourage you that in the middle of your marriage, in the middle of the moments that you're in, the places that are frustrating, especially, come on, all my new group leaders, you're starting groups this season, this semester. You're going to have those moments. Nobody shows up. You're getting frustrated. And I believe that God will just continue to tell you, content, content for the vision that he's given you. Don't stop chasing after what God's shown you. Don't just put it down because it didn't come to pass. Don't let lazy faith come into play just because it got a little tough, a little difficult. Just because things didn't work out the way that you expected them to. All right. All right, all right. I think I'm wrapping up, man. There was something else I realized. And you have to think about it. If diamonds don't have all the right ingredients, they don't become diamonds. 
There's no short way around that. And I know all of us, come on, if you don't want God's best for you, just raise your hand. We'll lay hands on you right now. If you don't think God has a good life for you, go ahead. We need to see your hand. See, that's what I thought. God, you know, you believe God's good. He's got a good life in store for me. It doesn't happen overnight, though, my friends. You can't give up on this. You can't just give in on this because it didn't happen in the time frame that you thought it was going to. I want you to remain focused and steadfast. Stay consistent. Stay wait. Let's stay waiting on God. Let's let's not just get uh, lazy and get our eyes focused on what is happening over there. I'm telling you guys. I want to close out with with uh, a story that that you guys are probably more familiar with uh, than the first one, and and it's this. That Proverbs 17, 24 says that um, sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. And you know, it's easy to, to always be looking out there about what's happening in Waco and about what Chip and Joanna are doing. I'm serious. You have to think about this. This is one couple, two people, two individuals who by their obedience... Their faith, their crazy faith, I might actually say, have not just elevated their own life, but have caused a renaissance in their city. And I wonder which one of us sitting here today or listening online, God is speaking to our hearts. I know I'm one of them. To say that he wants to turn the, the story of this town around. He wants to turn this, he wants to put this, this town on the map. But I, I, I'm, the reason I use that, that story or that scripture out of Proverbs is because if you're always focused on what's happening elsewhere, you'll forget to pay attention to what's right in front of you, right? If, if we stop waiting on what God has called us to accomplish here right now in front of us, where we're at, where, where our family lives, where our, our home is at, then we'll forget. That's why he said, write the vision down and make it plain. If you just settle... I'm afraid you're going to miss God's best for you. And so as you look at at, at the story of these two people, I recognize this, a couple of different things. I recognize their obedience to step out in faith. I recognize their humility and hard work. I've read the book. I've listened to the story and there's there's heartache. But you know what else is in, in in their story? Fun. I told somebody last night, and and I'm pretty serious about this, that I feel like any time I run into things, challenges going forward, I'm just going to start looking at it as an opportunity to have some fun. Why? Because it's training. It's a learning opportunity. It's a growing opportunity. And I believe that if, if you and I together will live in a place of waiting on the Lord and just having fun together with Him, we can accomplish and see something that no one else has ever even dreamed possible for this city. Uh, No, I won't say no one else because I know some really cool people here in our town. JP, you're one of them. There's some cool people here that have contended like Pastor Cameron and mom who's gone home. Like the net who's believed in Caitlin and I even when we butted heads. There's some people who have their eyebrows raised, who left, came back, 
who are willing to say, you know what? Because of your faith, I'll buy into that. And I just wonder who in your circle of influence that you are maybe in relationship with or not relationship with could use that type of faith. If you would, all over this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, just in a moment of honesty, if you've been living in a place of disgruntledness, of frustration, of a place where you would say that I need to repent because I have not had my perspective right and I need a change. I need a heart change. Would you just lift your hands? You got tired of waiting and you gave up on God. Would you lift your hands? I see those hands. Thank you. You want to see God move today and you're asking him, Lord, I will wait for you. Let me see your hand. Come on. I see those hands. You're in this place and you're saying, Lord, I gave up on you entirely, but I'm done running. I want to come back home. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Come on, Jesus. Thank you. All right. For each and every single person who raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand, meet me down here. Don't wait another moment. Don't just say, don't just say, well, I raised my hand. Let today be the moment of honesty. Come on, come now. Come on, all over this room. Don't, don't leave today waiting. And God sees you and he knows your story. He's not ashamed of you. He still calls you by name. He still sees the acres of diamonds in you. He still sees you from that cross and calls you worthy. Come on down. Don't wait. He's calling you right now, right where you're at. Come on, prayer partners, please come. If that's you today and you want to give your life back to Jesus, if you've been waiting on God and he said, I've been waiting on you, get down here. We're going to sing this song. We're going to worship together for a few moments. And I just want you to release your faith, this waiting faith that says, God, I'm going to keep waiting on you. Come on, would you stand to your feet all over this room?
That. Come on, lift your voices all over this room. Tell them. Room. Let's just lift our hands and honor God. Would you just stand on your feet? Let's get ready to dismiss here. There's just something more I believe the Lord wants to speak to our hearts about. I believe the Lord's ministering to hearts all over this room. What I'd like you to do right now is just 
by yourself or with a person next to you. Let's just reverence God's presence right here. And I'd like you to reflect and ask you a question. If there is any area of your life that you need to repent about concerning this matter of not appreciating what you have, would you just lift your hand one more time for me? I'd like to pray for you, if that's you that here this morning. If you'd say, come on, I see that hand. If you'd say that um, you've missed, you haven't appreciated what God's given you, just slip up your hand one more time. Nobody looking around. Yeah. I feel like that's so many of us. I know uh, for me, and you can look back up here, and I, I want to pray over you guys and let's dismiss. But if you were like me over the last couple of years, or maybe even uh, a few years ago when I was telling you that story, I knew that I couldn't go any further without having that moment with God where I repented for taking for granted what He had given me. And so all over this room, for each and every single person, you'd say that's you this morning. I believe that God wants to show up in, in your moments and just, just say, I forgive you. Because this is the, the mercy and goodness of who He is. There's history in His faithfulness. It's His character. It's His kindness. So I just bless you with that right now. I bless you with renewed hope and renewed vision. In Jesus' name, that God's not done waiting on you. He'll never be done waiting on you. And whether or not you come forward, whether or not today's your day or, or, or ever, He'll never stop chasing you because why? He's infatuated with who you are because that was what the cross said. The cross said, you're, you're a diamond to me. My blood spilled out for you is because I believe that there's potential and hope in who you are. And so I just bless you with that. God bless each and every single one of you who is here, who's watching online, who can hear the sound of my voice because you are worth dying for. And it's in the waiting, my folks, that you find that out when God shows up in those moments. So I bless you with that tonight, guys. And I know a lot of you are at home tomorrow. You're not gonna be on the road. So I encourage you to stay safe. But don't forget, let's go, love God, love people, and lead well. We hope to see you online in one of our groups. Our first Wednesday coming up or next Sunday. Have a great week and stay safe, my friends.